0: Hallelujah, glory to God, sweet Lord Jesus, please teach us from your word, reveal yourself to us, and step you in my mind to show us what you have in your word, in the name of Jesus, amen. So um, today we're going to be looking at the book of Agai, it has just two chapters, so I think if we sit with it, we can get through it in one single stretch. Haggai is one of the uh, minor prophets of the Old Testament. The short book is sandwiched between Zephaniah and um, Zechariah. (laughs) So it's the end of the Old Testament. I'm pulling on a Bible study. Uh, a previous study done on the book but I would be reading and moving through the chapters and you know showing something some of the things that my eyes were open to see while I looked at this about a year ago okay God blessed everything that was word in our hearts just a snap. so from verse 1 of chapter 1 he says in the second year Darius and the sixth month, on the first day of the fourth of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet. Okay, before we go too far, we see the specificity of documentation. This jumps out to every single time I open scripture. You see how deliberate they are to record the dates, the season, so that you can put it in kind of context and figure out where this word is coming from sometimes the dating gives you perspective into what um, circumstances were like at the time the word was coming for sometimes the date and the season gives you insight as to the fact that um what is being said was obviously not for that time but for some time in the Maybe distant future, maybe not so distant future, but dating is important. And uh, if you're following any of the series, the article, the course, um, coaching track, the course, anything, any of the materials available about time, you would see that we say this time and again, even the believers operating chronically in. Kairos, apologies. As long as you walk this plane of earth, you have to um you need to set things within the context of chronological time. It gives you a point of reference and a kind of balance to be able to say this is what is being referred to. That's how we even know that a word that's coming is for now, it's for later, it's for you, it's for wisdom, it's for whatever, right? So as you document, you know, you study, you write, you speak with the Holy Spirit, you fellowship, you learn, you go through life. Date. Date. For example, because I know that this particular study I'm referring to today <clears throat> is about a year ago. It was 17th of June last year. So this is the 2nd of July. Right? So dates. Dates matter. Sometimes dates are a major indication that seasons are changing, that you're being shifted from one, um, from one season into another. Sometimes dates, for example, the dating is what helped Daniel to know that 70 years of um, Israel's captivity was up. So imagine if the prophecies did not have dates, so dates, right? so okay let's get back to scripture now it says the word of the lord came by Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel governor of Judah and to Joshua the son of Jehozadak, the high priest sing. okay so before we go further let's just take a pause and notice something else there the word of the lord was specific the word was going to a specific person. It was not random. God does not speak randomly. He doesn't just look at the earth and decide, hey, oh, I want to release 200 words today. No. There's something about God's word said with technique scripture that His words do not return to anyone. They're there. And the reason they do not return to anyone is that it is does not just speak for the sake of speaking, it has a purpose which is speaking, it sends this word to somebody, to something for a specific purpose. So there is a two, there is a four. And in this case there is even a three because God wasn't it wasn't one of those occasions in scripture where God found us from heaven and everybody can hear his voice. It was uh it was a, a an invasion in using a vessel. So um if God were to let me just You know, just ask this question. It's a good point. If you want to pause and think, yeah, you really should do that. And then, you know, maybe document. um, How does God get through to you? (coughs) Excuse me. If God needs to catch your attention today, if he um, He needs to catch your attention today, if He needs to pass something across to you, how does he reach you? Doesn't need to go and hire somebody, doesn't need to go and find a prophet, doesn't need to go and um turn your world upside down, doesn't need to throw a lot of stones at you. How how does God reach you? Right? So these are things that we really really, really really should start to pay attention to. God's word has a two. In this case, it had a through, but it had also had a four. So as we go forward, we'll figure out what this um was referring to. Right? Now there's something else in that verse. The word came through a prophet. To so the governor and the priest and the high priest, and it goes to show us the relevance. It's a, it's a very beautiful illustration of the relevance of the church and the world. That's a beautiful. tandem you see, the Book of Haggai okay? shows how prophetic insights can be used to propel policymakers and the governments to work hand-in-hand with religious um, leaders to accomplish kingdom agenda and there are believers right now who have been sent to that intersection between prophetic insight and spiritual leadership and policy making and government and it is primarily to them that i would be speaking this morning praise god So one of the things I want us to see from this verse one is that the word must leave heaven. But for it to be um, fulfilled, to be executed effectively, it needs to be executed by human beings, carried and backed by the government. So there are things that foreigners will push for, you know. um, businesses you would start, um, NGOs you would set up, social impact organizations you would do, collaborations you would you know, set a motion, books you would write, advocates you would do, relationships you would build, but you still need the government. Oh, this is why um, the mountain of governmental influence is one of the, the 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 major mountains of influence that you can be sent to that God's um, mountain will be exalted over so we cannot take it for granted we should not take it for granted absolutely not if you've been sent to the mountain of government your work is incredibly important because okay um, for a very typical example this is um, July two thousand and twenty-one, and a number of incredible things have happened in the Nigerian space over the past few weeks and months. So, for example, we have people who have been, you know, trying to solve problems. They figured out that the cheapest way to reach um, Nigerians on the internet outside of your contact circle is Twitter. WhatsApp is the one of the cheapest ways because it's on nearly every phone. Um, low data consumption and all, but on WhatsApp you can go you, you There's a limit to how you can go beyond your network or your contact list, so who you know and who you who they know, right? And even that is shaky at best. But Twitter, you could take advantage of the algorithms. You could reach both people in your community, which people in your country, and then boost that image to the world. And it looked like a lot of people were doing fine. Businesses, social impact, um, equipers, educators, coaches, and it looked as if we were about to achieve a major turnaround. Then a government leader has a knee jerk reaction to something that displeased them. And just like that, that tool was shut down. Just like that. And here we are in a semi-democratic country facing a a near internet blackout because what is one of the most accessible tool and voice amplifier for the typical average Nigerian was shut down because somebody in government threw a tantrum do you see why do you start to see why we need Believers in decision-making positions, we really cannot um, play with it. So, yes, I'm not going to say drop whatever you're doing and go around for a position. No, but way out. Like, let this be be a reminder, if you needed one, that the intersection between prophetic insight, policy-making, and government, and being um, a priest, I mean a king, a priest, and a prophet that intersection cannot be ignored and effective um, deploying of the word that has gone out concerning certain places will not be reach its maximum potential if we do not step into government so if you needed a reminder or a sign, this is it God. Um, Flip side is that it's possible to be stuck in religion and popular opinion and familiar routines that can help you, um, that can make you miss the move of God. Right? I mean, the high priest needed a prophet to receive a reminder. So, as you step into the work, whatever mountain of influence you are now operating on, please remember that it's not about ticking check boxes of religion. and um, you know, sometimes there are things we do that make us feel good about ourselves. We think, "Oh, I'm having conversations with God, so yeah, I must be fine. Oh, I heard from God yesterday, or I caught he caught my attention today. Or I went to church this week. Or I spent seventeen hours studying my Bible. Or I finished two hundred and seventy-two chapters of the Scripture in a month. Whatever it is, it's not about the dopamine rush that comes with, um, you know, the reward, right? It's more about did God tell you, well done? Did God approve of you? Yes, I know we started to show ourselves a prayer men, but men's approval has no weight beside God's commendation. Like, I think that's like the ultimate dopamine rush. When God says, Walter, darling daughter, or Walter, and dearest son. I mean, that's just on the level. So, I want us to pay attention to step away from a performative life where we're doing stuff so that people can see that we are doing stuff or we're doing stuff to tick off the boxes or register attendance or you know just be able to feel the sense of completion you're not doing it for the sense of completion you should be doing it because Abba asked you to do it and so you're going to go do it the father sent you and so you're going to go do it right and it is stepping away from religion you're going to be able to recognize that the season has changed or the instruction has shifted or there is something you need to do a little differently or there is a greater demand or there is a larger demand or there is a season of rest or there's that's how you catch the ebb and flow and i really pray that we stay sensitive i mean it took okay do you know what it's like? The high priest is the only person in the entire nation of Israel who is permitted to go into the Holy of Holies to commune with God on behalf of the children of Israel. But he needed a prophet to be sent to him to accurately discern God's mind for the season. I find the boat tremendous and mind-blowing that it is easy. To get sucked into the performative boxes and checklists, and you know, routines, and all in all, being in place, especially approval and commendation from your mentors. That you miss out on the move of God. It's like when you look around and you hear, Oh, you can see here the strong wind, and the room, and the earthquakes, and the hearing. Oh, God is still here but you've missed the smell, still small voice, you're gonna miss God and we Jesus. So I want you to take a moment and just, you know, pause this and listen in for the Father's voice, our readers used to hear. Tell him to make room in your heart and your life for himself. Trust him to take care of you. You need to go premium with your pricing, with your work, with... Whatever it is you're doing, I don't know, whatever it is you're doing that does not leave enough room for fellowship with Abba, for doing things the way he wants you to do, when he wants you to do it, how he wants you to do it, then, I mean, restructuring needs to happen. So, take a pause, ask him to show you what he needs you to do, and then go to it. Yeah, that thing popping in your heart right now. Yes, you, I'm talking to you. That thing popping in your heart right now. God grant you grace, strength, and courage in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, where were we? Verse 2. Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying these people say the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Wow. That's incredible. So, um, it's saying. uh, Okay, let me just read on to verse three. Verse three, then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your panelled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Whoa. Now verse five says, seek the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Interestingly. You know, like this is funny because most times when I do those um recordings, this podcast, I ask, often start doing Bible study for myself and then, you know, end up sharing. But this one looks like it's a very poignant reminder for me. So it's a case of even I have not teamed and you know, let's just turn it together. Amen. So the first thing that stands out in this sets of verses from verses 2 to 5 is priorities the things that get done first show where your heart really is art if you want to get stuff done you want to prove your worth or relevance you want to show you're not a waste or wasting your life and then you know you want to have put things together you want to have rent sorted out you want to have your apartment and we see such that or maybe you're a little person you are living in raki or whatever the eyebrow environment in your um, city is like right you want to have abc figured out so that you look responsible and put together god is saying to tell you hey tell you right it's not your responsibility to have it figured out it's not your headache to have it aligned right your business to prove it Since you should do his own he will do the announcing you see the announcing and the position in no, another position but the announcement and the spotlight and the success and the increased income that you are chasing it's not your job it's not your job description you're trying to do your work and god's work but because god's work is actually heavy duty work You end up dropping your parts, that is kind of easy. And you're trying to do God's work for him. He don't need you to do his work for him. God doesn't need you to do his work for him. Right? So, as you go about your day, from this moment onward, the thing I say you should do, do, The way he said you should do it stop cutting costs, cutting budget, asking to show you the provisions, asking to show you what he needs you to do, how, and then follow through, obey, listen. You know, I know how it's like, what it sometimes feels like to be, you know, stuck with some corner and feel like the odds are against you, so you have to constantly hand things back to Abba, right? And, you know, verse 5 ends on a really very poignant note. It says, consider your ways. It says, you've sown much, but you bring your little in. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, and no one is warm. You earns wages. earns wages to put into a bag of holes. Whoa. So, um, essentially, you're doing all the right things. But you're not getting the results think, i mean that should have been commensurate for the level of work you're doing you're doing what, you, what you've been taught you need to do and it's saying that's not that's not the game that's not the game i asked you to play i asked you to do mine i give you an assignment i give you a mission i give you a task i give you an agenda you're supposed to focus on doing your sample and do the other part. But if you're trying to do that's work along with your own, uh, it will stress you, it will kill you, it will box you into a corner, and worse, the one your results Or the results never not a commensurate to what could have been. Right?
1: goes in, in,
0: um, yeah, like, my notes here, see, the the leaks the waste is what happens when you take God out of the number one spot you step back into toiling but this not, not even hustle hustle is those that put in work and energy you know and they get a measure of success. What is describing here is toiling the work is not even looking like the harvest at all. That's either it's an harvest. It's the very image of Adam's curse. Why do you want to go back to Adam's curse when Christ already died for you to break that chain, that oppression? I don't get it. Like, are you trying to die the die that Christ has died for you in first place? Yeah, I'm sorry, perfect. I'm just really like, let's let's do verse seven. From verse seven. The, the Lord and the scripture says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways, go up to the mountains and bring wood and build a temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified. Right? did you catch that? He didn't say, Build a temple to look good for me, it says, Bring wood, build a temple that. I emitted pleasure in it, so he's asking you to do it so that he has something to steer his heart towards you, to trigger, the give, right? So that's the seed that you sow, obedience. That's seed. That's the seed, obedience. Do what he say you should do, right? You make room for God where He wants, how He wants, and when He wants it. That's how you dig world wells. That's how you lay the channels that can house the pouring. His place is way, is tiny. He will not release the flow until you get it right. That's the funniest part. Right? Okay, so I'm gonna read from verse 9 now. It says You looked for much, but indeed it came to little and when you brought it home it blew it away. Why? says a lot of hosts. Because of his house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew and the earth withholds its fruits. For I called for a drop on the land and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine and the oil. On whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. Wow. That's like heavy. That's heavy stuff. Like, it was just trying to get their attention. so hear the word, they were doing everything they knew to do, putting in the right seed, you know, um, grafting, and doing all the right agricultural processes. And the harvest was non existent. They were eating, they were not being healed, they were having struggles and all of that. And was is basically trying to throw everything off cycle so that it could get the attention. So, those things that are not working, looks like, you know, maybe you had a trickle and you're expecting it to go through a war and, you know, it's not growing and, you know, you just wonder what happened, what's going on, why, why is everything spiraling down? It's catching your attention. So leave those things alone and focus in Right. And he finishes by saying, chapter 1 finishes by saying, And Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, that is um, the governor, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, that's the high priest, for all the remnant of the people obey the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the presence of the lord then agai the lord's messenger spoke the lord's message to the people saying i am with you says the lord right okay before we go too far poignant in verse 12. the prophet went to the governor and the high priest and said this is what the lord said right and he didn't argue you didn't try to justify what are you just finding in God that is just I don't know what would you be justifying in his presence right he didn't argue you didn't justify they obeyed and this is the funny thing the essence of what verse 12 was showing us is that he wasn't gonna review it release the flow until we get it right because more than he wants us to be better or to grow he wants the people that we're going to become through the process rather than just um, rather than just us getting to some mythical destination. And then another thing we see from verse 12 is that the prophets, the governor, the priests, and the people. It was a joint execution thing. So this is a call for you to find your place and play your role and take your place in the agenda figure your space in the army and play it well everybody had a part to play in shifting the nation from um, the drought and the dry season and the you know, the field harvest and everything that was not going well everybody had their part to play so figure your figure out your place and do it right and pray that the Lord of the Harvest sends more people to help with the harvest, right? And like we'll see in verse thirteen, the Lord sends his message back. Scripture says then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I am with you, says the Lord. Now there's something else in there. Haggai was what? The Lord's messenger. He didn't he didn't um step out of line he didn't it didn't feel like because it was only carrying the word it was you know boss of them or it was suddenly more important than the the, the leaders the authority the, the 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 governor the high priest no with him being specified again as the lord's messenger to find a place play a role don't dishonor if you're chosen for an assignment, just get in there, do what you're sent to do, and Get out. Okay? And then verse fourteen, scripture says, Um, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shetel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people, and they came and they walked in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. On the twenty-fourth Day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. So, like dating. Remember when we started the chapter? The word came um, first day of the month of the sixth month, and by the twenty-fourth day, they had made a decision and they had started to execute the instructions that the Lord has passed them, right? And then, um, okay. Yes, another thing that um shows. In verse thirteen, you see the Lord saying he is with you. And I wrote something down my channel. I said God can be with you, but be restrained by your half hearted effort. Incomplete obedience or plain disobedience. So he won't leave, is there? His promise is that he will never leave you nor forsake you. But you can limit his ability to do what he needs to do in your life, sometimes even for you simply because you were making half-hearted efforts or you were in incomplete obedience or in disobedience. Hallelujah. So whatever you said you should do, do it now. Do it well. Do it properly and don't step into dishonor to do it. Praise God. Okay, so um, moving on to chapter 2. In the seventh month, on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Again, this is chapter 2, verse 1. Again, we're seeing the specific dates and for context, right? Um, the um, scripture says, from verse 2 he says speak now to Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel governor of Judah and to Joshua the son of Jeho, Ahaz, Jeho Zadak the high priest and to the remnant of the people saying who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory and how do you see it now in comparison with it is this not your eyes is nothing verse 4. Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and be strong, all of you people of the land, says the Lord, and work. For I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. So my spirit remains among you, do not fear. There there's there are quite a number of things in here. Number one is we see the spirit of God calling out discouragement um, based on past memory. The former temple, Solomon's temple, it was glorious. The wealthiest man in the history of the world built the temple. Of course, it was glorious, you know. Built with stone from a quarry and a wood, the wood got intended, overlaid with gold, silver, and precious stones in all the right places, and all of that. I mean, it was a wealth of two generations that built that temple in Solomon's time. And so, you know, here they are, they just, the temple has been destroyed, so they're working through the rains to build a fresh temple with wood and God is speaking to the discouragement that possibly existed in their hearts then. And we see something quite significant here. It's not throwing it away. It's not bullying them out of it. I know, like, for some reason, we tend to do that in terms of church culture. You know, you want to shut people down. You don't want to talk about their discouragement or their despair or whatever. I don't know how that enter the church and i'm not going to analyze it today but we see a very poignant thing here god is calling the source out and I saying he recognizes that there's despair and discouragement and it's going straight to do with asking the right questions to say this is why you feel discouraged i'm so sorry it says this is why you feel discouraged this is why you feel um despair this is why it feels like a mountain of a task to rebuild the temple because you're focused on the past and what it used to be that you're not particularly enthusiastic about making um Progress on the now, right? And it's calling it out in that space, right? So here it's saying what you're about to do, what you've been asked to do, actually does not need to look glamorous. Excuse me. It does not need to match societal expectations. Now, the beauty is it does not even need to match your past experiences or the I used to do it at this level, X, Y, Z level. But okay, God, you took a break. That was then, this is now, right? God's got you. He's saying you should put in your best. So this is a balance. It's not You're not going to do half-hearted efforts, as we see in chapter 1 verse 13. But you're going to put in the best that is available to you in that moment. So, see, maybe you used to have a lot more resources. I know you do not presently have access to those kind of resources. You see, that one that you have right now, do it. Do it with it. You used to give a certain amount, but right now you don't have access to give, to give that amount. The one naira, one couple, one dollar, one cent, one whatever currency you spend. Do it. But do it with all of your heart with the wholeness of intention with a heart of obedience and a posture of deliberate submission to god's instructions right do it so that's how you do your best so your best is not measured in terms of oh you want to hit 500 points so that is your best no your best changes from context to context from moment to moment based on all of the factors that are coming together for that particular time moment in time that season whatever it is so your best is different every day right i'm going to give a, um, a number of examples so say for example you used to pray out loud for 30 30 minutes every day but you wake up and you're non-verbal you don't beat yourself up for not being able to pray out loud for 30 minutes if all you can do is to very actively, deliberately, intentionally pray it out, pray in your mind. You do so. You ask God for help. And I've often found that in moments like that, you know, you you when you choose to show up anyway, God comes through and unlocks new levels for you. Right? And maybe thinks you need a breakthrough with your support or help with you just show up, right? But I mean, it wouldn't do to sit, to beat yourself up because you're not able to do the 30 minutes means of praying out loud, and then now decide you're not going to pray. No, you pray. You pray the prayer. What, what? What do you mean? You pray the prayer. you're going to need to shift uh, shift it a little bit, if it's not um, if there's no constraint of timing on obedience. Maybe you shift it a little bit and give yourself some time to recover. But apparently your best in that day, that moment, your best is not the 30 minutes top of your voice prayer that you probably used to do. Doing. So you need to figure out your best. Your best might be 30 minutes of prayer journaling where you are being very deliberate about the prayers you're you're praying and you're writing them down. You need to figure out what the best means per season, per moment, per time, per instruction, per day, per hour, per location. It's not walking with God is not a one-size-fits-all kind of thing, right? And I could go on and on about this, but um, I would really, really, really love to wrap this up. Amen. Now from um, chapter 2 from verse 6 says, For thus, says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all of the nations and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. It says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace since the Lord of hosts. You see, this section is just so beautiful for one crazy reason. Do you know what it is? The same nation that could not afford to rebuild the Temple of Solomon the way it was, it used to stand, right? God just called them to desire all nations you see your work and the value you're putting out is not a factor of what you have or how you're packaged or you know how glamorous you look at the outer it's what you're going to do you are the desire of nations he chose you he anointed you he placed you where he placed you he sent you where he sent you so you only wear your full chests right glory to god uh, and I've written here, like, it says, you do the building and does, God does the bringing. The PR and the ad the glorification and the spotlighting. See that. Your work is to do the building. You know, some, some of my most um, appreciated and well-received material, I'm not just talking about podcasts now. I'm talking about the books, the articles, the tweets, the threads, the sessions, and all of it. Some of the most impactful, the ones that have given me the most powerful feedback, was not even the one I did with all my equipment perfect and all my taking place. Sometimes it wasn't the ones I did and I felt good about. Sometimes it was the ones I nearly deleted midway through. Sometimes it was the ones that I asked myself, What are you even doing? But what God is saying in the scriptures show up, do your stuff. That's your part, please. You see that part you're worried your head about? the bringing people to come and hear you, the PR, the ad, the glorification, the spotlighting. It's God's job. So let him do his job. You focus on yours. Hallelujah. It would often use... uh, Okay, I'm reading from my notes now. It says, it would often use disasters and feelings to draw us back to him. The situation not aligning is a flag that you have drifted from him or the plan and it's a call for you to seek him, his wisdom, and his light. Now, this part I just read from my notes is um, an addendum on the next version of scripture. Agai, chapter 2 verses 10 to um, 19. Let me just run through it. it. says, on the 24th day of the ninth month and the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, now asked the priest concerning the law, saying, even one carries holy meat in the fold of his garment, and with the edge it touches bread or stew, wine or oil, or any food, the meat become holy. That is the food that has been touched. And the priest answered and said, no, they are showing in accordance with um, the law God gave them through Moses. And you can read up on that in the book of Exodus. Right? and um Haggai said if one who is unclean because of a dead body such as any of those things will it be unclean and the priest answered and said it shall be unclean then Haggai answered and said so is this people and so is this nation before me so is every work of their hands what they offered there is unclean wow so they were Taking the boxes of religion but god was saying that things of heart is unclean why um okay so in verse 16 he goes on to say now carefully consider from this going forward from this day forward from before the stone was laid upon stone in the temple of the lord since those days when one came to a heap of 20 efforts there were but ten and when he came to the wine was to draw 50 baths there were but 20. The Lord was still speaking in verse 17. He says, I struck you with blight and mildew and hail in all the labors of your hands. Yet you did not turn to me, says the Lord. Consider now from this day forward from the 24th day of ninth month from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Consider it. Is the seed still in the barn? As yet, the vine, the fig tree, and the pomegranate, and the olive tree, have not yielded fruit. But from this day, I will bless you. Whoosh! Wow! This is so. Um, it's a watershed moment. For me. You see, he was saying that you need to do the building right but it was also saying that he needs you to do what you need to do otherwise your disobedience on his instruction is going to taint everything else you were supposed to be doing and it's going to make everything abominable to him now this is the funny thing you see work work in this context work is not all oh, the work you the job you do or you go to so i'm not talking in terms of paid employment work is the channel by which god blesses you so for some of you work is i'm trying to find a holistic um definition that encaps- encapsulates most people right Um, work is anything you do that requires the talent skills abilities that requires you to put your will in commit yourself to the process and create an outcome so of course we have deep work and light work there's work you do that will take your spirit your soul and a little bit of your kidney as you are doing it because it takes it lays a great demand on you there's work you will do almost mindlessly because it's not much of a demand, right? But work is the excuse that God holds. to so channel His blessing into your life. So you can imagine if you're not working. So I am So I hope you get it now that I'm not talking about paid employment. I mean, your work could be a business you run, it could be ministry, it could be social impact, it can be that God sent you to service it, that someone it can be a volunteering position. Whatever it is that you are doing, right work becomes the legitimacy for God to bless you. What God was now even saying is that as they were laying, as they were laying the foundation of the temple, God, as they were taking the first steps of obedience, even though there was no logical reason for them to have an arrest, it was going to bless them why god was showing us another type of seed so they were familiar with all the seeds that you put in the ground they were showing them another type of seed which is the seed of work right and um let's do the last section quite quickly it says again the word of the lord came to Haggai, on the 24th day of the month, saying, speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I will shake heaven and earth. I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I will destroy the strength of the Gentile kingdoms. I will overthrow the chariots and those who ride in them. And the horses and the riders shall come down, everyone by the sword of his brother. That is a plant carnage. It's essentially, God is saying, "I'm going to step into the order of the Gentiles, and I will make them destroy themselves." That's another level of fighting battles on your behalf. Right? Verse 23 says, "In that day, says the Lord of Hosts, I will take you, Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shetel, says the Lord, and will make you like a signet, signet ring." I have chosen you, says the Lord of hosts. And you know, this thing is, is jumping out at me. Like, see how it calls the rubber bell? It calls him by name. It calls him by his off like calls him by his relationship. And then it calls him by his lineage. Those are those are those are the ways that you show up to God. It's one of the reasons why I am so proud to see Hadasa Batiawi, daughter of the living God. It's my lineage. It's how he says to me that he sees me. Right. So like I I pray, I take this moment to pray for you that you would be healed if your identity has been broken, hurt, or shattered in it. And I pray that God brings you into a wholesomeness and an accurate view of what He sees you as so that you become rooted and grounded in your identity as a son of a father because you are now a believer as a son of a father redeemed by the blood of Christ and walking. Like I've said, verses 20 to 23 speaks to uh, an overthrow or reorganization of kingdoms, economies, world powers, armies, and with its order as we know it. And God displaying His eternal wisdom by placing a kingdom, a kingdom individual as His ordained seal. Now, this is a person that I strongly believe is happening right now, as I speak. This is July 2021. There is um, a redistribution, and there's a shift of mantles, there's a transfer of mantles, and, you know, there's a lot to be reorganized. It's a generational shift. It's a world shift. It's a power shift. It's massive. And I, I just really just... Uh, we don't miss out on God's move in this time, right? So, just, um, as we've come to the end of the book of Agai, it is my earnestness says you hope that the lessons on the inside stay with you, that God will write them in your heart, open your to